1: I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't.
0: Help me. Help. Help.
1: Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Man Cave in the piney woods of North Central Florida. In the Melon law studio, the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida Gators, protected by crime prevention 24-7, 365, locally owned, and please use them. You will not get a remote computer somewhere monitoring your needs. I highly recommend my good friends at Crime Prevention. Style cuss. You might check in with my good buddy David Ratliff and his crew and get your ears set out, as my father used to say when he said to get a haircut He said, go get your ears set out. The other thing he used to say was, go get policed up. Um, (laughs) And you can see I followed his advice into late adulthood here, if you will. Uh, Partly not by my own uh, choice, but by Mother Nature's choice, of course. And uh, on-the-spot cleaners, great people. Take all your cleaning needs there. They really support us through thick and thin. And, of course, we got R&R Construction, who's been with us forever and a day, Lance Lunger, great guy. So if I'm leaving anybody out, we'll get you at the bottom of the hour. We are um, expecting Ted Yoho to tune in in a little bit. He's back home, um, but he's not on yet, which is kind of ironic because when he was in Tokyo, he was right on there early. But back home, he's a little late checking in. I think he's coming in now. Maybe perhaps in a little bit. We'll, we'll um, uh, hook him up as soon as we get him on. Um, there's a lot of things, of course, that uh, um, happen locally that we report on. And the big version of the local instance that are uh, important, of course, is uh, um, the canine deals. Apparently, well, they don't really want to say it. But uh, certainly our show had some influence on what I'm hearing. They're going to try to ease back in. You know, they've got one foot in and one foot out. They're the most uh, cowardly bunch of so-called leaders you'll ever run into. And they're going to go out and check with the children, so to speak, before they make an adult decision. I, I, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. But um, meanwhile, keep your fingers crossed. Meanwhile, watch a of Police Department has a canine unit, and just got the dog and the handler. So kudos to the city of Olachua Police Department, which now has a canine unit. Um, They're invaluable, and, of course, the dog and the trainer are highly skilled, highly trained, and very much a part of keeping crime down. Uh, We follow it up a little bit more on, of course, what's going on Unfortunately, at the Christian school in Nashville, Tennessee. And we're discovering more and more uh, that the disturbed young lady who wanted to be a man, uh, I guess, is the way it works, and therefore felt uh, left out because that wasn't acceptable. Um, and there we are. We um, uh, find out that she had other targets picked out, but she didn't go to them because. Uh, They were too well prepared for something like her to come around with her threats. So as my um, old folks used to say in our family, so put that in your pipe and smoke it and see how that sits with you. Uh, We just saw Ted Yoho flash on the screen a moment ago in his car traveling. Um, I think he's coming on now. Hey, Ted.
0: Hey, I'm here, Ward.
1: Well, I have no idea where that is.
0: (laughs) It's back in America. We got back. Uh, it was interesting. We left Tokyo at 3.50 p.m. on Monday and we arrived in D.C. at 3.50 p.m. on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I'm not sure how that works, but it worked well. Now, was it
1: nonstop over the top?
0: Yeah, it was nonstop. Well, it was nonstop from uh, the U.S. to Tokyo and then we went from uh, once we were in Tokyo, we had to go up to another uh, Kyoto, and we took the bullet train at 178 miles an hour. How much? 178 miles an hour on a bullet train.
1: 178?
0: Yes, sir. I tell I you what, the Japanese don't mess around. High technology, high engineering, and they do it right. Wow. It ain't Amtrak, I can tell you that.
1: How many miles did it cover from where you started to where you...
0: It was 453 kilometers, which should be close to 400, uh, 375 to 400 miles.
1: Wow. So it didn't take you, what, an hour or so to get there?
0: Right at two hours. Two hours. A little over two hours.
1: Yeah, you're traveling almost 200 miles. Wow,
0: wow, wow. It was amazing, and it was smooth. I mean it was you, you didn't feel the the rocking of the train and uh, it was it was a very unique situ- uh experience.
1: Well where are you now? You're obviously not in a bullet train.
0: <laughs> I am on my way down to um Indian River and I'm going to the opening of uh CP Foods shrimp farm uh which is owned by the uh, a Thailand company one of the largest food companies in the world they have 360,000 employees and they've chosen Florida to produce shrimp um, on the inland and it's uh, it's a very, very impressive operation what they do
1: well it's logical we've got shrimp all around here so I guess it makes sense economically
0: <clears throat> well it does and you know they're not going out in the ocean raping the oceans they're growing them in um, uh, aquaculture pens. Um, I think they've got 40, 100-meter tanks, and um, they can grow a shrimp that is edible within 65 days, I think. I mean, they've got high genetics. uh, They've got the feet worked out uh, just right for these shrimp. Uh, They use very little new water. They recirculate the water. Uh, They've got to balance the pH and the salinity, uh, but it's it's not going out to the ocean, dragging nets and, you know, getting all those byproducts when they get shrimp.
1: That's funny because it makes me think of the controversy. There are a couple of medical doctors. I don't know if you caught this. It came out today over in the Newberry area. I think they're women. I don't know if that had anything to do with it.
0: Better watch yourself.
1: I know. Well, it's just fact. I mean, it's it's I mean, just reporting The facts. Uh, uh, you know, this is dragnet, right? But uh, protesting the slaughterhouse there on the basis that we're not we shouldn't be eating meat anymore. Um, we should be well, eating meat. They
0: Jesus have that before. choice. They don't have to eat meat.
1: So they're protesting the slaughterhouse in and, and Well
0: That's unfortunate because uh, I think a lot of us eat meat, you know, by choice. And if they don't want to, that's their choice.
1: Well, a lot of us have beef here that we don't, you know, we can't uh, take advantage of locally because we haven't had slaughterhouses. The last one we had was down in Gainesville years ago in the 50s, I think, in the 60s, early 60s. That's
0: right, it was. It has
1: stockyards there.
0: Custom ones. Then there's the big one in uh, Fort McCoy, uh, Adina Springs.
1: So, anyway, that first we may cover a little bit more later. So anyway, you're back, and here's a couple of things. Now, you've sent me a couple of things to look at, which I thought were very interesting. Um, One of them I have here has to do with the the fact that government help is never free. And I I looked at that story a little bit more, cross-referenced it, so to speak. And indeed, you know, we have in the Inflation Reduction Act, correct me if I'm wrong, We've got the duplication uh, we had in the Obamacare phenomenon where the government subsidized the medical world, therefore intruded on the control of what medical care you'd get, is the way I see it. And now we've got the same thing going on with the so-called green energy subsidies. The electric vehicle doesn't look as if on its own it's profitable at all or Ford and these kind of people to get involved with it. Yet, um, they're sort of blackmailed by the government because they get subsidies to produce them to appease the left environmental people. Have I got that right?
0: No, I think you do. Uh, I think it's incentivized them um, to create electric vehicles. And they say, if you create these electric vehicles, We will give this much credit towards purchasing that. I think it's $7,500 per vehicle. And that's not government money. That's yours and my money. And so the government is promoting an agenda, you know, the green energy. And I'm all for all kinds of energy. I just think it should be market-driven, not government-subsidized. And, um, you know, you, you were talking about Obamacare and the incentives and the insurance companies. You know, the doctors have allowed themselves to be taken out of the private health care by being taken up by these corporate corporations or these large medical practices that are corporate owned. And, you know, it's interesting because that's happening in the veterinary community.
1: He's getting interrupted with us on his transmission because he's traveling and hopefully we'll recover that in a moment. Um, It's always problematic when uh, we're talking over a moving kind of uh, uh, system here because of the inconsistency in the Wi-Fi. But we're talking about green subsidies. And we're talking about the shell game of the Inflation Reduction Act. And from what I've been able to read about it, it's one of the greatest uh, tricks that we've played on taxpayers in history uh, the Democrats have used accounting gimmicks uh, to claim um, it would reduce the budget deficit. And a Goldman Sachs report uh, has projected that it's going to uh, create all sorts of green subsidies, which we've been talking about before we lost our transmission, uh, of about $1.2 trillion, more than three times what the law, people who supported it, Biden and his ilk and the lefties said it would cost us. And the Congressional Budget Office has forecast that the IRA's energy and climate provisions in this thing will cost $391 billion between 2022 and 2031. But this is probably a huge underestimate. Um, this is one reason why... The companies are rushing to cash in on the tax credits that aren't capped. The tax credits are not capped. And the Biden administration is loosely, very loosely interpreting conditions for the credits. I saw Ted reappear here. I don't know if he can hear me now. Yeah,
0: Ward, I'm here. I'm going to turn off my video just because I'm traveling and uh, my bandwidth is not good, I guess.
1: Right. Well, I was just taking up what we were talking about in a little more detail here. Uh, from the way that the journal covered it and uh, just to bring in I don't know if you heard me but um, the green subsidies are going to cost about 1.2 trillion more than three times what the creators of the law claimed it was going to cost and uh, you're
0: absolutely right
1: yeah and um, And
0: we're right at a tune greater than any other country China is not participating, although they claim they are participating, but they've got a pass because they are fall under the developing nation status. So they can put a pause on, uh, contributing to the amount we are. And we know that they're building one coal-fired power plant uh, a week around the world. And, um, you know, so we're putting the American taxpayer, we're putting the middle class, um, under a, a tremendous burden, and then look at our future generations with $34 trillion in debt, not counting beyond, beyond um, covered debt, like Social Security, Medicare, and all that other stuff. We have put our the next generations in harm's way and actually the national security of this country.
1: Well, it's... Um... Ironic because you've got to get um, energy for the batteries, and as you know, Ford's Michigan plant uh, with a Chinese battery maker alone is going to cost about 1.5 billion annually in credits, and it's hooked up with the Chinese battery people.
0: That doesn't make any sense at all because the Chinese, uh, their goal is world hegemon, and they want to take over the world and supplant America as you know, the, the the world power. You know, and I just came back from uh, Japan. I was over there for 10 days. Five of those days we spent in meetings talking with business leaders from Mitsui to pretty much every major business. And then we talked to uh, ex-ambassadors, ex-government officials, some current government officials to this organization I went. And their whole focus is on China and what China is doing and uh, how to counter china and if china invades taiwan japan's going to be brought into a war because they've got islands 40 miles away from taiwan and they know china is going to look at them and go after them next hence china uh, japan has doubled their military spending in preparation for this and um, you know we have got to come together and i was talking to one of the one of the members of Congress that's been in there for 20 some years. And we were talking about the next election between Trump and DeSantis. And they really didn't care who it was. Their big concern was a divided America, And he was very reflective talking to me. And he goes, America used to be so united. It stood for something. But when America is united, it is not strong. And a weak America is not good for any of us. So it's not so important who wins. It's What's important is that your country comes back together as the United States of America. And it's going to take a, a certain type of leader to bring that forward. Um, you know, that's really what we're up against. So, you know, going back to the batteries being produced by China, um, the IRA or the um, Inflation Reduction Act and the CHIPS Act, Really benefit China. And these other countries are so concerned about the growth of China and their influence around the world that, um, you know, it's concerned for all of America. And I would think the American people, as you and I have talked about before, they need to wake up and just look at what's going around and say, is this the kind of world we want to live in? And if not, they need to vote differently. And, uh, you know, that's why your shows are so important to get that message out there.
1: Well, one of the things that I'm going to uh, share with you, you probably have seen it. it's by Aaron Zittner. And uh, it's a poll that's been taken by um, Nork at the University of Chicago uh, in conjunction with the Wall Street Journal. And um, what it really has shown, Ted, is basically the data that supports the concern the people in Tokyo have. The survey and this is my word, shows we really are a schizophrenic country. Uh, And part of it, big part of it, according to the poll, I don't know if you've seen it or not, um, is that the young people hold the values of the adults that you and I really are talking about much less important. Uh, What they are holding as important is money. Patriotism, religious faith, Uh, which have defined the national character uh, uh, that you and I have always valued and been a product of, are receding in importance. And uh, 38% of the respondents said patriotism was very important to them, and 39% said religion. And that was down sharply from 1998 when 70% valued patriotism and 62% valued religion. There you are, my brother. That's the issue. What have we done to the children?
0: Well, you know, I think what's happening here is happening over there, too. You know, uh, Japan's always been known for their low crime rate, um, but we had a a private driver taking us around, and he was talking about um, people are starting to feel not as safe in Tokyo or Japan as they used to. And it was because of the younger um, population. Uh, We see the Western influence, of course, our Western-type democracy. But we're seeing, you know, the tattoos, the piercings, the colored hair, um, that stuff starting to develop, but also gangs that are developing. And uh, that younger generation is, they're despondent, and they said there's a lot of mental health over there. Uh, that's not being dealt with. It's, it's kind of shameful to talk about that if it's in your family. And I think that stigma is here, too. But it's you also have to look at generations. You know, you look at the, the, the baby boomer generation or the greatest generation, um, you know, and, um, you know, those people remember the price we paid for freedom and liberty. And uh, the younger generation, sometimes when you have liberty and freedom, you take it for granted because you don't know how we got it. And I think I mentioned this before, that book, uh, uh, The Miracle of Freedom, The Seven Tipping Points That Saved the World. In recorded history, the estimate is there's been 100 billion people that have lived on the planet. Less than 4.5% of those have ever lived in liberty and freedom. And over 80% of those are alive today. We know what liberty and freedom is is we know where it came from. We remember the Vietnam War. We experienced that. This younger generation has not. And I think that's part of this. And I think, you know, people talk about um, mandatory uh, service, you know, two years into the military or maybe two years into the Peace Corps and go out and experience the world and learn how special and how privileged we are in this country and any country that is free about liberty and freedom. You know, and if you want a great example of a country losing liberty and freedom or a a providence, look at Hong Kong. You know, Xi Jinping came in there in 2022. and Actually, it was 2020. And um, they don't have their liberty and freedom anymore. It's communist rule. So that can happen here. We've seen it happen in Venezuela. Um, You know, and all these countries are starting to go through this shift and this is something that people need to wake up and these elections do matter and unfortunately the republicans are the ones that are really fighting more for this in general not all of them but the 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 people that used to be the democrats are the marxists today and they're they're promoting this agenda my wife and i had this discussion yesterday and she goes well just because somebody's a democrat doesn't mean they're a bad person i said i agree But I don't agree with their philosophies because if they're voting Democrat, they're voting for wokeism, they're voting for critical race theory, they're voting against our Constitution. And, um, you know, there's a reason that this country has survived as long as it has. But we have to become a united nation again, the United States of America.
1: You know, it wouldn't be such a bad idea, would it, to have a draft again, but this time can... Uh, conscription would be for the Peace Corps. You know, let's mandate that the young people enter a Peace Corps. We draft them. You know, imagine this. I'm just, you know, imagine, if you will, you know, John Lennon. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, then you have to go somewhere, some country, and hang out for a year or two or do it. You're, you know, find out something about the world. That's what we what read. About,
0: what about yeah. just the National Guard? go into national guard and, and get transferred to another state, work in a rural area and, you know, do something that's significant in that state or, you know, or the inner cities, go into the inner cities and do something there. Um, but there should be some kind of public service to learn those things and learn some discipline. The thing I learned and in, in, in saw in Japan, it's a very disciplined society. Uh, We were walking around, and it was one of the cleanest places I've ever seen. Even the garbage trucks and the cement trucks that went by us were, like, brand new. I didn't see any dirt on them. And then walking down the street, you don't see garbage, but there's no receptacles because you're responsible for your trash. If you bring it out of your house, you need to take it back. And uh, it was just it was an amazing um, dichotomy right in your face of what we say. I'm going to buy some cement trucks now, and they're filthy. (laughs) But over there, I think I took some pictures of them. And as an aside, last week when I was on, uh, one of your your, uh, uh, listeners asked, how do they grow their food? And so I took a ton of pictures of agricultural plots right in the middle of towns and cities. And you'll see greenhouses, rice fields, all kinds of crops being grown. And there's buildings and, and towns around them. They have protected their farm space because without food security, you don't have national security. And I'll send you some of those pictures where you can post them so that uh, that listener can, can get sure, a, a, sure. a bird's eye view of that.
1: Well, the, to follow up on what we're talking about, we're talking with Ted Yoho, who is in route to, of all things, a shrimp farm which we'll talk about a little bit more with you. Um, But the only priority that the journal found in this poll we talked about a moment ago, Ted, uh, that has grown in importance in the last quarter century is money. Um, It was important to about a third of the people in 1998. And it's important to 43% um, of the people now. You know, one of the things that's not mentioned in this poll, I, I think You we take for granted, is a couple of things you just alluded to. Uh, Food is important and health is important. And, uh, you know, they should have kind of maybe tried to assess that in a poll because I think both are taken for granted. Uh, They just take for granted so many people that when they go to the shopping um, uh, center, uh, what they look for will be on the shelf. But we know here in Florida from hurricanes, for example, it takes only about two hours to completely clean out a shopping um, um, you know, grocery store. And it's empty. And so I always have kept that in the back of my mind as how far anybody in any given moment is from not having food. They certainly can't go do what the Japanese have done because we've divided our rural society and our urban society and, and, and separated the two. Have we not? Look at the zonings.
0: Oh, we have. And then, you know, you've got these organizations. um, Well, it's like that that, uh, processing or slaughterhouse out in Newberry. You've got people fighting that because they don't want you to eat animals. Well, don't I have the right to carry on, you know, the the food supply that we were raised on? And, you know, we've got a canine teeth for a reason, I think, um, you know, to tear into things. Um, But. When you have those kind of organizations that says you can't eat beef or you can't eat animals, um, you know they're going against the the, the things that have created um, prosperity in the world and, and pushed out malnutrition. You know, um, and then we spend money on programs to go over in developing nations to teach them how to raise fiber and protein from animals, but yet in this country they want to squash it like they do a lot of the other things, our energy and, you know, the middle class.
1: Well, one of the things that uh, affects all this, in my humble opinion, and you know I'm never wrong, is the sense of community has been so abstract now and so um, urbanized that you can't really have a sense of civic value, and civic value is where patriotism comes from. One of the little litmus tests I always had, and was when you you've seen these signs, Crime Watch Neighborhood, right? You used to anyway. I haven't been around this, you know, to see them now lately. But anyway, they used to be, and what that always told you, Ted, was that you're entering a neighborhood where everybody knows everybody. And everybody is vested and owns private property and looks out for each other. And that Crime Watch neighborhood might only be a couple of blocks. But whatever coverage it is, the people in that community have gotten together and said, and the way it worked when I lived in one once upon a time, was that if a strange person walked by your house that you hadn't seen, by the whole neighborhood network knew to watch and see where the other end of the street was that that person came out. So that is really in miniature an an indication of what has happened to the country because the poll showed that civic value has declined, that patriotism is tied to civic value, and the individualism has been replaced with entitlement and decline in community involvement. And I think that really sums up our challenges. So how do we restore a sense of community? That is, you no, know, look think, at huh?
0: No, I think you're right. You know, if you lose community, you lose that connectivity. Um, you know, it was amazing. I was in Tokyo. Um, it's, a, it's a city of 30 million people. 30 million people. But it runs so efficiently. People are polite. And I think it goes back to respect. I think it goes back to family traditions, family culture, respect for the uh, previous generation. And they work collectively together. And I don't mean collectively like in uh, the Soviet Union, but collectively together to make their country better. Uh, it's And it's unfortunate to hear people saying it's slowly changing. And I think, again, if you, if you have a generation that doesn't understand where liberty and freedom came from, They don't respect it, and they start doing things different. And, uh, you know, what we do know is history repeats itself. And so if they don't remember or if they don't learn those lessons, they will repeat it.
1: Talking with Ted Yoho. We're going to take a break here for our bottom of the hour weather and to acknowledge our sponsors and appreciate those who donate. Um, We're talking about – Schizophrenic United States of America, that's my term, the schizophrenic. And then we are talking about how a recent poll by a a university in conjunction with the Wall Street Journal has given us the data that sort of really supports um, the generalization. So when we get back from the break, I will flesh it out a little bit more. I'm looking at the chat window here to see if you have anything you want us to take up. Um, one of our very, very reliable patrons of the show, Ted says he's down to his last pack of deer cubed steak. What is he going to do now? <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back on the Ward Scott files. Thank you. Harvest. <laughs>
0: Hello, boy.
1: I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, thanks. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather, brought to you by Lewis Oil. Welcome back to Ward Scott Files, Ward's weather report, brought to you by Lewis Oil. Fossil fuel, by golly, all the Chevron stations, you go ahead and pump up there. There's nothing wrong with that. We support them. They support us. You support them. uh, We'll all support each other. So um, the weather here is pretty good. Uh, We got a great rain here at Windy Hill Farm yesterday. Boy, it was wonderful. It it was one of those gentle, soaking kind of rain uh, that the cattle love to stand in. And by the way, we put uh, in vector, I can't say the word. We got rid of the flies on the cattle the other day by running them through the chute, and they're fine now for a while. But the next uh, outburst of severe weather is going to threaten Dallas and Chicago. And, of course, um, there's there's some danger there because if you've seen these turbulent storms as the warm and cold air meets. And, of course, California is not going to get out of the target yet. Even the California farms now are grappling with flooding. You know, they went from feast to famine. They didn't have any water. And now they've got too much water. And um, we've got these um, damages, incredible damage that went all the way to Georgia uh, where we had tornadoes there, too. So this is spring and it's uh, often right uh, rugged to w- depending upon where you are, with what kind of weather you're going to get. Um, got to make a little joke for you here. You hear the voice uh, at the break say, Ward, it very much surprises me that you haven't been tased. Uh that's from uh a captain who is at the Lotchville County Sheriff's Office, a longtime buddy of mine. And um um he he, he he we interviewed him one time on the show and um he said that on the air and so we recorded it and we played it and uh it is funny. I mean it's uh well it is if unless you're politically sensitive. Sensitive, sensitivity. Well, we're talking with Ted Yoho, in, who's en route to a shrimp farm. And um, we're going to continue just a little bit with you uh, to complete our conversation about the schizophrenic country we live in. Uh, when Ted, the last thing I want to present to you is that the survey has found that these sharp differences we've been noticing here really are, re- are reflected by the political party division on these social issues, um, such things as LGBTQ race theory uh, this that one thing and another all were bundled up in the Democrat tent and the, the values that religion and individualism and all that are bundle up under the Republican tent that really is no surprise to me is it you
0: no it's not and um, Victor David Hansen does a, a, a great take on that you know when you start losing you know the religious foundation of a country or you know the um, the mores of a, of a society, you start losing that society. And I think I sent you that article he wrote, if you wanted to destroy a society, these are the 10 things you would do. And, uh, you know, we're right in the middle of doing that. And, you know, when I was over there, you know, I've been to a lot of different countries and in Japan, it's a strong Buddhist uh, religion. And, it's amazing because these temples were built over a thousand years ago. And the thing I've noticed around the world, it doesn't matter if you go to Peru, you go to Colombia, you go to these other nations, uh, Cancun, you see the pyramids, some form of worship to a deity that binds a society together. And when you drift away from that, that society dies. There's a book written. I, can, I don't remember the author, but it was, called The Hydrogen Economy. And it talks about when you don't have a deity, culture dies. And it's interesting because on on this trip, we talked about a lot of U.S.-Japanese relationships, which I'm happy to say it's getting stronger. Also, South Korea is healing uh, their differences with Japan because they see the threat of China. But you have China... And I talked to a lot of people about this. There's roughly 90 million people in the Communist Party, but they estimate less than 10 percent are hardcore communists. The others carry it out of convenience, uh, just so not shunned. And China has no deity that they respect. The highest entity in China is the Communist Party. And so their feeling is it can't last. Um, their 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 economies fall. their uh, population is starting to decrease and there's a lot of unrest there and the point is what you brought up on this survey is if we're doing that same thing we're going to have those kind of struggles here we're already seeing the struggles here with the LGBT you know the transgenderism you know and, and I'm very adamant about that and I think you know that and I hope I don't get you censored but if you're born with an XY you're a male and if you're a uh, xx you're a female you can't argue that and for our government to say no you can be a female or the medical society or our universities and the libraries and all this saying no you're really if you if you feel like a girl you're a girl no you're not you know that's a to me that's a mental health issue that you need to deal with and you need to deal with reality because we're creating a false reality in society and that's why you get a breakdown of society and you get these skewed numbers that you're getting And as you pointed out, they're coming more from the Democratic side or the Marxist side than on the Republican side.
1: Well, I'm checking the chat line. If anybody has a question issue you want us to take up, yes, uh, we'll certainly take it up. I see the chair of the local Alachua County Republican Party is watching and always been a a, a real good friend. I also steps in for me when I need somebody to uh, uh, run the show for a while and does it very, very well. Well, you know, Ted, I want to shift over to another um, poll, if you would, sir. And it has to do with um, how are we going to get out of this mess? And by that, we mean who's going to be the Republican candidate? And a majority of Americans, according to something called the Marist poll, which was released on Monday, uh, found that nearly 61% of adults do not want Trump to become president again. And I got to say that in my own personal opinion my, and I'm never wrong, you know that, um, (laughs) attacking DeSantis is not smart. Um, And I'm going to kind of shift over to you because you often are there at the belly of the beast in DC and know what's going around the halls there. Um, So there's an issue. Of course, we know that the Democrats have been doing uh, everything they can from the so called days of the, Uh, coming down the stairs there to discredit him. But now lately, it's worrisome that Trump is attacking what could perhaps be his rival within his own party. Anything to say about that, sir?
0: Yeah, I think he's diminishing his chances of becoming elected. You know, people liked what he did. They don't like how he did it when he was president, but they like the results like the American Tax Cut and Jobs Act, uh, the way he got NATO to pay up. Um, you, know, the, um, you know, he did the Abraham Accords and had the peace agreement in the Middle East. And he did so many things right. You know, he had the border secured and um, people want him back in for that. Plus, he was probably the greatest resistance against the deep state, if people believe in that, and I do. Uh, of pushing back and trying to straighten that out. Um, Think of what he did with the Supreme Court justices. You know, where would this country be had they gotten three Katanji Browns or three Merrick Garlands in there as a Supreme Court justice? We've lived under a liberal bench for the last 30 years, starting with uh, probably Clinton and then Obama. And, um, you know, this country's writing itself now and the left is ap- apoplectic. Um, and so Trump going after DeSantis is not helping himself. He's elevating DeSantis. And we just need to make sure if DeSantis is the one that wins the primary, that he follows the constitution the way it was set out by our founders.
1: You know, it's um, unfortunate that the tactic that Trump has used to kind of distinguish himself among his rivals um, hasn't been turned more on Biden. <laughs> you know, Trump has got the rap of being unethical and this and that and one thing another when it's clear to a reasonable person in any way, unless somebody shows me evidence that convinces me otherwise, that the unethical character around the White House all this time has been Biden. And, the press has been complicit in keeping that quiet. Is that, is that the feeling in DC or do they just go along to get along there?
0: Most of it, they go along to get along. Um, the Democrats, you know, they're out of that conversation, you know, anything that any word of Trump, they just, they don't want anything to do with them. And then of course they're trying to make Ron DeSantis look like a, a mini me, um, of trump and he's not you know i serve with ron ron's a very intelligent person and uh, you know but up in dc it depends on what organization you're with they just want legislation to go through so that the wheels keep turning uh but we're at a point now where we can't and it's going to be interesting you know to kind of change subjects is kevin mccarthy uh uh challenging uh president biden on the debt ceiling and says he has to negotiate. Biden said he's not going to. And I had this conversation as you and I have talked when I went into Congress. You know, we we're at 13.5 trillion dollars in debt. I was not going to vote for raising the debt ceiling, and I don't think I ever did. Um, I voted. You know, everybody says if you don't raise the debt ceiling, um, the country will default, and that's that's a fallacy. Not raising the debt ceiling does not trigger a default. The default is when you don't pay your bills we will pay our bills. And so it's gonna be interesting to see how this plays out. And this goes back to the Republicans and Democrats. Do you go along to get along, or do you really meant- Lost him in a Wi-Fi Valley here, I think.
1: We'll get him back in a moment. Ted Yoho is our guest on Wednesdays. He's traveling now. Um, conversing while traveling and headed to a shrimp farm um, in the central part of the state. So um, we'll wait for him to snap back in. He'll, he'll come back in in a minute, but we have a dilemma in the Republican party and that um, Trump is feeling the heat from DeSantis who hasn't even declared yet. And he's trying, of course, in his tactics to uh, turn on one of the Republican characters that gives him the most, um, Uh, competition. And it's not really sitting well with people who are kind of on the fence about Trump. As Ted was saying, you know, we can't forget that Trump really did things that were unheard of being done in D.C., and that is confronting the deep state. And yes, there is such a thing as the deep state. The deep state primarily is defined by all the staff people who are on the company dole get quite handsome cost of living increases, get quite handsome retirements. I have friends who right now are beneficiaries of that. And um, we have uh, the, um, I'm looking at the cut some of the comments now. So, we, we have that uh, kind of, of dilemma where people are sitting on the fence about him, even though he did good things like taking on that deep state and those staffers. Those staffers really run D.C. If we get Ted back, I'll have him talk about this. Um, they are there. Right. Ted, we're just talking about um, a little more detail on what the definition of deep state is. and I was suggesting that it's mostly made up of the staff which is there year in, year out, um, no matter who. What, am I on the ball there or am I kind of off kilter?
0: No, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, it's the bureaucracy that stays there year in and year out after an election. You know, politicians come and go, bureaucracies stay, and they grow. Their goal is to grow their agency. A case in point, and this is a pet peeve of mine, is the Department of Energy was tasked with creating an energy policy for America to be energy independent. That was in the 70s. Today, there's over 12,000 employees. They make over $124,000 a year. And then they were investigating the origin of COVID-19 in the Wuhan lab. And I'm like, is that the Department of Energy to study and weigh in on where COVID came from, I don't think so. And so this is what happens: is these agencies, so they extend their their mandate of what they're set up to do. Congress, administrative that allowed them gain the power they did. You know, the administrative faith allow them to just take their own. Goals so they prove them if if there are. Our they can keep that fine internally.
1: So we're losing him. He's in an area where probably there's maybe the hinterland um, of Wi-Fi. You know, there are. I didn't didn't imagine this. Uh, When Ted was showing uh, uh, on the air last week with us, uh, our connection out of Tokyo, Japan, uh, was just crystal clear just as if we were in the same room. And here in the state of Florida, of course, he's using a cell phone. He's traveling down the interstate, Um, but it goes in and out. Um, Anyway, so much for uh, high praise of technology. Uh, It is remarkable in some ways, and it's kind of absolutely deficient in many others. Um, Now, we're talking about, and we may get Ted back, we may not here. And he may hear me right now, but I might not be able to hear him. But um, we're talking about the staff. The staff is really the deep state. The staff is the deep state um, in often government entities. They're there. And and, and lots of times you can't do without them. Like when I became the city manager of Archer, I had a staff assistant who who was excellent, who had been there through several city managers as the commission kept firing managers because the managers wouldn't tell, it would tell the commissioners what they didn't want to hear. So they'd fire the, the, the um, manager. And that's what the city of Gainesville has done. They have fired this manager and that manager. And uh, because they're telling them what they don't want to hear. But I had an excellent, excellent executive assistant who knew everything about the system and had been there through several city managers, so it it, it can be a good thing. And by the way, uh, my assistant wasn't politically motivated. My assistant was simply there to accommodate whatever it was that the manager, her boss, me, needed. And 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 um, but well, what's happened? And I was, if we get Ted back, I'll ask about this. Is th- what is the degree to which the staff has become uh, politicized? Ted, can you hear me? Uh, he's yeah, spoken.
0: I can hear you fine.
1: Can you hear me fine. My question is: You came back on here. Was what? To what extent does the staff become politicized? Better to the say they they are there more Democrat staff than Republicans. Use that as an example. Can you hear me?
0: Yeah, I can hear you. Um, over time, they become more liberal in their thought. Can you hear me? Yeah. Or yes, yeah, I can they hear you. become more liberal as time goes on, and as the bureaucracy lasts longer, they tend to hire more people with that same kind of mind. You know, an interesting thing to watch. This is a good example. Is file I mean that article on the farm for the farm bill, 20 hours a week. Biggest form in the uh, program, and he bought it. But he know, it two times before that. Under Gingrich, they had enough members passed without him. So he signed, and he created for having form in food stamp. Obama got away 2000
1: yeah we lost him we lost him we may have we may have lost him for the because the show's almost over um ted we'll we'll take this up with Ted next Wednesday if we don't finish it today uh, it's much like what he was saying is that uh, over time uh the staff becomes uh, more and more uh all alike in terms of one political point of view that is certainly true in education. I can tell you that from having been a college professor, that the college is liberal. It tends to hire more liberal people. And as you get more liberal people, they tend to promote more liberal ideas. And there really is very little diversity, uh, equity, and inclusion in the academic sense. Uh, Oh, they'll get it. Sure, they'll get it right in terms of the Uh, color pattern, but uh, they don't get it diverse in terms of the political pattern, which, of course, leads to conversations that are influential on the minds of those who are teaching. And in the worst case scenarios that we've been covering in Stanford and places like that, any opinion that's not of the right persuasion is just simply shouted down and banned from the campus. Um, So I guess it's a pretty good way to think of DC, Washington, DC, is not dissimilar to a college campus. There are very few college campuses that are not infected, and I'll use that word, with liberalism. And um, it's just the way it goes because like kind always associate with like kind. And leave them alone and they will produce and, and associate with people they're comfortable with. That's a human instinct to hang out yes. with people you're comfortable with. So, Ted, I, I hear your voice back there again. I don't know if you called yeah, me. I
0: apologize for coming out like that. But just what you think Cameron, who wants to talk at public libraries, and these libraries are dying him to let the transgers come in there and do the transgender hours gardens that is exactly your saying you can liberalize that oh no he's talking about religion bad bad, bad but let us have these the um, twisted people come in and talk to our children about sex and you know deviant behavior um it's it just our, our society is upside down and there will be a correction
1: other than that, we need to check out. We're right at the end of the show, and you've broken up here a little bit at the end. But look forward to seeing you next Wednesday. I don't know where you'll be, but uh, right. uh, you'll be around. You always have been, <laughs> and you're building quite a following and about a, and quite a, a group of people who want to hear what you have to say. So um, we have. Uh,
0: oh, I appreciate it. I'll see you later. I'm going to sign off.
1: Okay, Ted. We're talking to Ted Yoho, who is in route to. Uh, thank you. Thank you, sir.
0: Have a great week. You
1: too. And route to a shrimp farm here in Florida. So um, that's an interesting kind of agrarian project. And we'll hear more about this later on, I'm sure. Uh, thank you for supporting the Ward Scott Files and thank you for those of you who sponsored and donate. Uh, we hopefully will bring, are bringing you a diverse uh, and informative and a show with a lot of integrity that you can trust. So uh, I couldn't do it any other way. Doesn't mean we don't have opinions, it doesn't mean we don't uh, go ahead and voice them, but they're always subject to uh, your um, evaluation and uh, rebuttal, if you care. Too. So have a great day. We're going to sign
0: off. Warthog Command Center out.